Welcome to Escrow Out Loud, the SF real estate podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate, experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links available at jacksonfuller.com slash podcast. Hi there. Today on Escrow Out Loud, we have an incredible guest joining us, and she's actually with a different brokerage, Compass Real Estate, and that's okay. Her name is Ina Rubinchik, and she specializes completely and totally in 100% in leasing. And I am so excited to have her on the podcast today to talk about what's up in the leasing market. Hi, Ina. Hi, Matt. How are you? I am doing great. And I am so psyched that you took time uh, to join us today. I know you just got back from an incredible vacation. Welcome back. Were you happy to see the fog? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't like, oh, I'm so glad for air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit depressing. But yeah, it's the life of San Francisco. I'm, I was very happy to come back to the life that I have, to the work that I have, to my home, because I love living in San Francisco. I love working in San Francisco. So yeah, I'm happy to be home. So let's talk about working in San Francisco. You uh, have been an agent in San Francisco for a while, like five years now, I want to say, or about five years. And you do only the leasing side. Side of the real estate market obviously gets lots of press. Much of it, I would say, is not quite accurate. So how about you give us some accurate info? What's up in the leasing market? Has it hit the bottom? Uh, it hit the bottom last year. Leasing market has been absolutely incredible this year. I don't know what exactly happened, but as soon as the clock struck the midnight for 2021, everything has been leasing like crazy. Last year, I keep giving this example. I had a property at a two-bedroom, two-bath condo at Rockwell that sat on the market for 13 weeks and had 29 tours. That was by far my record, anti-record actually. And it finally rented for about 35% less than it rented previously. It was scary. It was terrible. And for our listeners, those are catastrophic timeframes and numbers, right? 13 weeks is more than three months. And if something doesn't go into pending status within two to three weeks in San Francisco, we're usually on the floor like, what is wrong? And even for things that are on the market for a long time, generally, you don't get 30% under. So that was, yeah, I mean... Ouch. And that was what time in 2020, like October, November? Exactly. That was October, November. A lot of people have left the city, moved back for remote working because they could save a lot of money. The thing is, is that a lot of San Francisco new construction properties, they are built to, especially if they're rental properties, they're built for somebody who just basically sleeps and showers there. They're very small and people just uh, wake up in the morning, shower, go to work. They get their coffee on the way. They get their breakfast at their office and they're there good 10, 12 hours a day. They come home, they go to dinners with friends and then they crash. So for somebody to live in a place like this permanently and never walk out and uh, it's impossible. So people just broke leases and left, especially sort of downtown area. Soma was hit pretty hard. South Beach was hit pretty hard. A lot of people who stayed in San Francisco enjoyed the lower rental market and they upgraded from studios to one bedrooms, from one to twos, and they moved to better neighborhoods, neighborhoods they couldn't before afford, neighborhoods where amenities don't close. For example, the Sunset or Richmond have experienced a lot of new 
tenants moving in because it's close to the beach, it's close to the park. You could always go outside and enjoy some fresh air versus being stuck in a high-rise condo somewhere in the South Market. So that's been uh, the trend last year. And to this day, even now, people are still upgrading. People are switching. People want better. People can afford better. And people are willing to pay for better. And in San Francisco, a lot of people went to remote work and not as many people have lost their jobs in their tech sector, for example, because most of our people work in the tech sector. They still make a lot of money and they can afford to upgrade to single family homes, so larger apartments or a two-unit building where they can have a semi-private yard and parking and storage and all the things that they need in, in the daily life. Yeah, I think the insight that you had about people upgrading last year is a great insight because just from friends, I had some clients do that exact thing. Hey, I'm going to take advantage. I'm doubling down on San Francisco because I think in the long run, this is an opportunity and not a sign that I should be leaving the city. Are we back to like multiple offers, one Sunday open, that kind of leasing market? Or what's the temperature out there these days? I kind of taken a look at my business earlier this year, and I realized there are certain types of properties that I'm not going to be working with any longer. So I focus on single family homes. I focus on two unit buildings. And uh, in those buildings and that type of house like condos, for example, one tour one tour and it's rented at full asking, no negotiations, no concessions of any kind. Let me give you even a better example. I have a 12 unit brand new construction building for rent in the outer sunset at 44th and Noriega. So they built a brand new Gus's community market. I love that place, by the way. (laughs) Yes, yes. And they built 12 units on top of that. There are several three bedrooms and two bedrooms. And We are almost 100% leased at this point. We've been on the market for about seven weeks. In the outer sunset, three bedroom, three bath, or two bedroom, two bath for $5,500. Wow. Yeah, people are willing to pay that. They want the space. They want brand new and modern. Is that close to three bucks a square foot in the outer sunset? If I'm doing quick math in my head, roughly, I'm guessing on the size of those homes, but either way, that is impressive. You can get a single family house for rent, three bedroom, two bath, single family house for rent for between 45 and five. Nice. This is going to be an older home, not remodeled. The kind of the two one classic sunset five. The three two. Oh, three two. Is the extra one one down? <laughs> Probably, but, or you can get a brand new two bedroom, two bath, about 1200 square feet with a private terrace with the direct view of the ocean and pay 53 to $5,500 for it. The fact that it's so modern and sexy and nothing like it in the area, the only other brand new construction is the Westerly, but there are for sale condos. This is purely rentals. We've been getting insane rents and we are so busy. It's been such an incredible project. It's always easy to rent the best <laughs> the best piece of property out here. Yeah, and the Westerly has been a development that has been slow to sell. And it's not so much the location, I think. It's just had some really unfortunate timing. The initial sales partner to a pandemic to on and on. But it's a great spot right there at the zoo and all the stuff on Sloat Street. So I'm not surprised. So I hear that the Sunset, Outer Sunset, Outer Richmond, uh, hot neighborhood, even though foggy and cold, ha ha ha. What else is kind of neighborhood-wise 
really happening right now? Are there some really other end places or some places that people are really trying to avoid? You know, Pacific Heights has always been, or anything on the north side has always been very popular. I've had people move from Russian Hill to Pacific Heights because they felt that Pacific Heights was a little bit more upscale and safer. I've had that happen. A lot of people love Noy Valley, kind of uh, Upper Castro, Sanchez Street. I've had a three-bedroom, two-bath on Sanchez rent for $10,000 on the first door. Like Dolores Heights, Liberty Hill. Yeah incredibly incredible right everything all the rentals that i've done this year have been incredibly easy single family homes rent so well it's unbelievable some of them rent on the first door within five minutes while old tenants are moving out the new tenants are walking in and (laughs) and signing the lease right then and there so i think single family home in san francisco has always been a great investment and you have to be very careful because as an example i've had a client who bought a three and a half million dollar home in Pack Heights and we leased it for 15. And then I had a client who bought a $3.1 million home in Parnassus Heights and we could only get $8,500 for it. So you have to be very, very careful if you're buying an investment property. You don't have to talk to me. You can talk to any other leasing agent or talk to a good leasing agent. There are a handful of us and just kind of understand what to expect because you can spend a lot of money and not get anywhere close to where you should be getting in rent. Yeah. And it's interesting. The rental market in San Francisco is generally not cooperative in the same way that the sales market is with a centralized multiple listing service. So we actually get a lot of inquiries off of the Jackson Fuller website about people wanting to rent something in San Francisco. And it's do-it-yourself process unless you want to pay someone generally. And everyone wants someone to do it for them for free. So how much of your job is helping folks come to you correct misunderstandings they've had along the way? Do you encounter a lot of that because people hear crazy things on the internet and think they're true? Well, what kind of crazy things is an example? Like just in terms of secrets to get a rental in San Francisco or hidden neighborhoods or like other tips or like this is really the market and it's this price and you're wrong. You're just not working hard enough for me to get this price. Or, you know, I really don't need you. Just get out of my way and leave me alone. What do you encounter out there? I've encountered just everything you just mentioned, <laughs> pretty much. I am of the kind of philosophy that if you need me, you know where to find me. I am not going to chase you. I'm not going to follow up with you. I know what I'm doing. I'm giving you my professional opinion. This is what this is going to run for. My professional opinion is basically is based on experience, but it's also based on a very, very strong sixth sense. And I know what tenants want. I know specifically that a house without a yard is going to get a lot less money than a house with a yard, for example, right? So you have to be very realistic. I've uh, refined my ideal client, so to speak. I've refined them in my head as to who is it that I'm looking for. Because the thing is, is like, I'm very frank. And I tell people up front, this is what is wrong with your house. These are our positives. These are our negatives. This is how much it's going to cost you in terms of rent. And it's either me going telling them, or it's going to be the market telling them the same thing. Except that I tell you that up front, and I will save you a lot of money versus you going to market at some obnoxious amount of money and sitting on the market for three months and losing all that rent. I only work with people who are realistic, who are savvy, who are busy, and who trust me, who do exactly as I say, because I know what people are looking for. 
And if they want to do it themselves and try it out, that's happened before. Sometimes people want somebody who is less expensive, could be easy to rent. It could be difficult to rent with somebody like that. I guess it's also an energy exchange that people, when they talk to me, they seem to trust me and they become my lifelong clients. I just got a, a client today. This is, would be the fifth time I'm renting their property. Nothing says satisfied customer, satisfied, happy client, you know, fifth time uh, deal. Yeah, it's awesome when you've been in the business a while and you start to accumulate those clients that do business with you again and again, because it is such an endorsement of who you are as a person in terms of integrity and follow through and also your skill set, because you've been right and done right for them again and again and again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So you've mentioned that you've started to, to really kind of specialize and focus your time in on unit buildings, two-unit, uh, house-like condos, single families. So it sounds like you're avoiding what I would call like the bread and butter one-one condo. That's right. I try to do that. I'm actually trying to avoid high-rises altogether at this point. Did something happen in a high-rise? Did they hurt your feelings or are they just like such a commodity product? <laughs> It's a huge commodity product. Were you stuck in an elevator? <laughs> no, no, none of that. But the, here's the thing. I don't do Soma or South of Market at all at this point, because in, may, in most cases, they're just white boxes and there are hundreds of them for rent. Some of them are uh, for rent. They're private condos for rent by private owners. Many of them are for rent. There, It's an apartment building for rent by a large company. And when people come look at them, it's sort of like wine tasting. After a third or fourth glass, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can't tell the difference. That's exactly what people are like. They don't remember. So the only thing they can remember is a leasing agent, really. That's the only way to send out or paint the wall red or paint the whole apartment red. So I just, and the prices have dropped so much that one bedroom or even a two bedroom in a three to $5,000 category by the time you spend so much time showing it, because there are so many others out there, it's just quite honestly not worth the time at this point in my career. So I focus on everything that is 8,000 and up. And I have a couple of team members who help me with lower end or help me with the repeat clients that are on the lower end. And then I have somebody also who represents tenants because I only represent landlords. I don't have time for tenants. And I have somebody I work with, I trust very much is that because there's so many people coming back to San Francisco right now. And I obviously advertise as a full service rental company, uh, rental agency. And I refer the business to this tenant um, representation company and they help people find the property. Of course, they charge for it and uh, they make quite a bit of money. But either you do it yourself again and sit through all these rentals out there or you hire somebody and it's a white glove service. Yeah. And the other thing that the rental market has in San Francisco that we don't have to deal with nearly so much on the, the purchase sale side are scams. There are so many rental scams on Craigslist. There are also plenty of legit ads, but it's amazing the number of scams that get pulled on people. Well, here's the thing. One way you tell it's a scam is it's too inexpensive. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it's a scam. If it's too good to be true, a beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath could not possibly be asking $1,800. And if somebody is asking you to wire the money before you see the property, before you submit an application and sign the lease, it's a scam. 
that is impossible. If you can't see the property, you must absolutely come see the property. You file, you apply, you sign a lease, you read the lease, make sure it's legit. You Google that person, you Google their phone number. And if something doesn't feel right, it's a scam. It's very simple. The other thing is what's really good is um, Zillow started charging for rentals, which is not great for leasing agents, but scammers don't go to Zillow because they don't want to pay 10 bucks a week. That's always been the attraction to Craigslist. It's free to post your scam. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just exercise common sense. Exercise simple common sense. It's too good to be true. It's a scam. If you can't see the property, it's a scam. And just move on. Go see something else. There are plenty of all leasing agents advertising Craigslist because it's free, because it's very efficient. It's highly effective. And it's been a go-to place for renting the property. When you mentioned Zillow, is that hot pads or is it like Zillow, Zillow, or do they have another kind of leasing arm? Because I can't even keep up with Zillow. So Zillow owns Trulia and hot pads. So when you advertise on Zillow, it automatically goes on to Trulia and hot pads. And quite honestly, Zillow has been dominating this market by far. I would say more than 90% of the leads come through Zillow right now. It used to be Craigslist and now it's Zillow. So posting on Zillow is pretty much everything, all you can do. I post on 72 different rental websites through a syndication service. I do phenomenal social media, Facebook and Instagram, Instagram specifically. You do. You have great social media, I have to say. Just shout out. Thank you. Yes. I am at leasing agent 415. That is my account. And uh, I shoot videos for my properties. I do incredible photos, very exciting and unusual marketing. And people like that. People see that, especially real estate agents who are my clients, really. And when they see that, when they see me marketing a property in very creative ways, they tell their clients that, that, oh, you should talk to Ina because she does some really cool things. And interestingly enough, I showed up to a listing presentation to just a listing appointment with the clients. And the first thing, as I walked out of the car, they said, we watched all your videos. We really love what you do and we want to hire you. (laughs) Okay, great. I guess you've seen my YouTube. (laughs) You've seen my Instagram. I love it. (laughs) Let's go have coffee. Deal done. Here are the keys. Do it. Even if you are referred and recommended, people still love to check you out. They go and they Google you and all of these things come up. I work really hard to make sure if you Google leasing agent San Francisco, I show up organically on the first page as number one. You will see leasing agent 415, my brand to show up. I don't pay for ads. I've never done any ads. I don't do Google ads or any kind of ads. And that's been a great business generator. It took a little bit of time, a little bit of money, but it's absolutely worth it. So I keep telling everybody, like, if you Google real estate agent San Francisco, who shows up first? Who shows up second? see what they're doing. Copy that. (laughs) Improve on that. Boom. And it's funny, like you've definitely spent some money to make that happen. You've been doing quality work because you can't just buy your way to the top of the organic rankings. Because if you could, everyone would, and then Google would be even richer than they were. So you definitely list your properties in Zillow, it sounds like. Do you list them in the San Francisco multiple listing service? I do not because what MLS does is it syndicates uh, IDX, right? Is that what it's called? Both syndicates and IDX is like broker specific. Syndicate is like portal. And that was probably way more detail. 
They syndicate to Zillow. They syndicate to all these other sites. And I work with Intellirent. Intellirent is a company that runs background checks on tenants. And what they do is they have a relationship with 72 different rental websites. And when I post on Intellirent, it automatically posts on all these websites. And that's what drives traffic. Quite honestly, I mean, I'm going to give you a big secret here. Zillow is all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to post on 72 different websites. It sounds great. Uh, it looks great. But ultimately, I want to say the last, all this entire year, I'd have to double check, but I think all the tenants have come from Zillow. All the work that I've done, all the leads were from Zillow. Sounds like you can just post your rental listings on Zillow directly because they used to allow you to do that with sales, but then they stopped actually. And at this point, Zillow only accepts listings for sale via MLSs because they want that verification that it's legit because actually this is, I think, funny. The other reason is agents on the sales side are horrible about updating the status. So they would put it in Zillow and it would be there as active forever. And then it would cycle through the MLS and it would be active pending closed. They'd match up for a period of time. You'd have two listings. And then if you're an agent, you don't really mind if you've got that listing still on Zillow because it gets you leads. <laughs> You're like, no, that one's not available, but let's talk about something else. So Zillow finally had to crack down. And at this point, they'll only accept listings for sale from MLSs. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It works similarly for Zillow, but I have to take it down because then I get inquiries from tenants. There's no point on that. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. You, you've got an incentive to take it down when it's no longer available, unlike us lazy exactly. listing agents. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone has a pet, is it still possible to find a place in San Francisco or are you like no pets? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone's realized that you just have to charge a deposit and everyone's realized that there's so many, there, I believe there are more pets than kids in the city. That's true. Everyone's got a dog during COVID probably except me. Everyone's got a dog and you just have to be open-minded about it. If you want top rent for your property, just get a security deposit for the dog and just screen people well, make sure you like them and they're well qualified. That's it. Quite honestly, kids do far more damage than dogs. <laughs> Let's be honest. I've seen families move out and they draw on walls and on windowsills, and no amount of primer can cover that. I have both dogs and a teenage child, so I can completely relate. I have two boys, and I walk around with a paintbrush all the time because they just rub themselves against the wall, and there you go. Their sticky fingers are everywhere. I was that little boy. Oh, my God. I had marker wrote on walls, sticky hands. I was that nightmare of a child. So yay for you. You've got two of them, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Most of the time, it's really funny. Everybody says when they come in with a dog, oh, it's such a perfectly well-trained dog. You'll never know it's there. And I look at him and I'm like, if somebody ever comes to me and says, my dog barks and annoys the shit out of everybody, I would wave the deposit. <laughs> <laughs> like you're being honest with me at least right exactly exactly everybody's dog is a rug somehow and everyone that has children like we never say that our children are, are well trained we're just like we have adorable children and that's completely a matter of debate generally speaking Absolutely. especially at home i don't think there are adorable children i don't think i've ever met any adorable <laughs> children i think they're all kind of rascals. They can be tired and they can be somewhat more of a calm. <laughs> I think rascals is such a great 
word, such a great description of it. Yes. We have taken so much of your time this morning. Any other last thoughts, tips, or uh, insights about the leasing market before we uh, let you go write some more phenomenal leases? I think it's really important when you are leasing your property, either to be on top of all the latest rental laws. It's very interesting to know that a lot of people who call me for rentals, when I explain to them the just cause eviction situation, I'll then talk about the rental laws. People go a little bit wild. They say, what do you mean I can't ask them to leave after their leases has expired? I think people turn pretty conservative when it comes to renting their home. <laughs> yeah, nothing will make you a Republican faster than the San Francisco Rent Control Board. It's just, I've been a tenant in San Francisco. It's not like I have 95% of tenancies in this town are great tenants, great landlords. But when it comes to the extremes at either end, it is a very pro-tenant town. And the fact that you are a landlord means you are pretty much presumed guilty before the conversation has even started. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. So you got to be aware of that when you are leasing your property. Talk to a good leasing agent. Talk to an attorney. If you're doing it yourself, use the San Francisco Apartment Association lease. And I'm always available to talk to anybody free of charge. Um, just kind of explain how it works. And usually people end up being my clients for life um, after such conversation. And for anybody who wants to try being a leasing agent, I actually launched a leasing course. And I have several people in the program right now. It's basically a coaching, weekly coaching program where I teach people to have a flexible life, unlimited potential, a very lucrative and fun career doing leasing. It doesn't work in many parts of the world, but in San Francisco, for example, in large uh, cities, I think this could be a very good and very lucrative career. So a lot of people come to me for advice, whether they're just starting in leasing or they're seasoned leasing agents and they just need an idea a new, fresh perspective on their own business. So I've been doing that sort of as bored during COVID. So I launched uh, this program and it's been pretty darn successful. That's awesome. One last question for you. I always like to ask realtors who are guests what the very first transaction they did was, if it was representing a buyer or a seller. Do you remember the very first lease that you wrote for a client you were representing to find them a tenant? Yes, I very much do because I work for a real estate investment company and we purchased Six Month Plaza. I'm sure you're very familiar with that building. And uh, it was a 25-unit luxury, basically, apartment building. And uh, there were two empty units in the building when we bought it. I knew nothing about leasing. I just stood there with the Ziploc bags full of keys at the on the plaza, looking at the building, not having any idea what I got myself into. I believe I broke every rule in the book because it's kind of like a learn-as-you-go type of experience. I do remember a French gentleman who came in and looked at a three-bedroom, a three-bath unit for himself and his son. And I believe they leased it. And it was the first unit that leased. And it was very cool experience, actually. I've never sold anything before. And I've never leased anything before. And they are just being who I am and talking about the unit and making sure they felt comfortable about it and asking them how they felt in the unit. I think that's what sold them. So I do remember that. That is very cool. I love that story. So Anna Rubinchik from Compass Real Estate. And why don't you give everyone your socials one more time? 
So I am leasing Agent 415 on every platform on Instagram and Facebook, mostly Instagram. I post a lot on LinkedIn as well. And uh, feel free to follow me and call me if you have any questions. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time, Ina. Thank you. You've been listening to Escrow Out Loud, the SF real estate podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate. Experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links available at jacksonfuller.com slash podcast. 